0: Good morning, church. So good to be with you. Last week, I lied to you. I said I was going to cover two uh, miracles last week, but I was studying, I was like, I can't do it. So we're doing one more this week and one more next week. So we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John. And so this morning, uh, we're going to look at Jesus healing this man at the pool of Bethesda. And before you turn your Bibles there, I just want us to uh, take a moment and Check out this painting here. This painting is called Christ Healing the Paralytic at the Pool of Bethesda. And it's by this 17th century famous artist. His name is Bartolome Esteban Murillo. And so before we dive in and study this miracle, I just want us to take a moment of pause and just to center ourselves and just to listen. I want us to listen with our ears and to listen with our heart. And I'm just going to recite uh, the, this miracle story in your hearing. And I just want you to just kind of center yourselves, all right? And so here we go. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, and it says this. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time Jesus said to him Do you want to get well Sir the invalid replied I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in someone else goes down ahead of me Then Jesus said to him Get up, take up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, this passage of scripture begins by mentioning a pool. All of us have probably been into a pool, if not into a pool, at least we've seen a pool. And there's all kinds of pools there's small pools and large pools, there's stinky pools and clean pools, there's shallow pools and deep water pools. There's all kinds of pools, circular pools and rectangular pools. All kinds of pools. But this pool, the pool of Bethesda, was a special pool because it was believed to have healing powers. What happened was, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir the waters uh, at this pool of Bethesda. And the first person into the pool when the water was stirred would be healed of their illness, healed of their infirmity, healed of their disability. And so many people gathered at this pool of Bethesda. Lots of people The Bible says a great number, a great number of people, a great number of disabled people, a great number of people in need of help, hope, and healing would gather at this pool, this pool of Bethesda, hoping to be the first into the pool when the angel of the Lord came and stirred this pool. Well, There was this one guy that was there. And the Bible says that he had been an invalid for 38 years. And it was obvious that if he didn't get someone to help him into the pool when the waters were stirred, that he would not be healed. He needed help. He's been there for th- he he's been an invalid for 38 years bedridden for 38 years. And so the question is why didn't no one notice? Why didn't why didn't anyone help him into the pool? Would I notice? Would I help? Would you notice? Would you help? My wife and I, um, we've been, uh, we're born and raised in Hawaii. We've lived here all our lives, and it was just only once in our lives that we moved away And it was in 2005. For three years, from 2005 to 2008, we moved to Pasadena, California. And this is so that I could study at Fuller Theological Seminary. And about this same time in 2005, when my wife and I moved to Pasadena, there was this lady that also moved to Pasadena. But the circumstances were different for this lady. This lady Began to live on the streets. She would stand at the traffic light before the highway begging for money. And at first, when I first arrived there, I thought to myself, gosh, this lady looks so well kept and so together. I wonder why she's living on the streets. I wonder what's her story. Gosh, I should give her some money to help her out. I hope things work out for her, I thought. And that was in 2005. And then over the next two to three years, my heart started to change ever so subtly. And I'm embarrassed to say that it didn't change in a good way. Over the next three years, my heart did not increase in compassion for this homeless lady. Over the next three years, my heart actually started to become indifferent. And by the time my wife and I were ready to move back home in 2008, three years later, This lady was still on the streets, just three years, and it looked like she had aged maybe 30 years. She was skin and bones. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but my heart stopped noticing her. I didn't, my heart did not increase in compassion for her. I had become indifferent. Eli Weasel, he says this he says, The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. It's indifference. Why did no one notice? This man in John chapter 5, who had been an invalid for 38 years, he needed help into the pool. Why did no one help? Perhaps it was indifference. Why did I no longer notice this lady that was homeless on the streets of Pasadena anymore? It was indifference. Somewhere along the line, I thought, someone else will help. Someone else will give. Someone else will notice. And over time, my heart just started becoming indifferent. It just happened subtly. It wasn't instant. It was like I, I was not compassionate once and then twice, and then it became just easier and easier until I did not notice and I did not care anymore. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Jesus says in the last days, people will be unloving, uncaring, cold-hearted, indifferent. And I don't want that to be a description of me and you don't want that to be a description of you we so desperately need an infusion of Jesus' compassion. You see, Jesus could have ignored this man. Jesus could have not noticed him. And the man would have expected it. This man would have understood because that's how he lived for 38 years. Unnoticed, unloved, ignored, overlooked. But something very significant happens. Take a look at verse 6. It says this. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Jesus saw, learned, asked, Jesus saw him, learned about him, and asked him. Jesus saw, learned, and asked. Jesus sees this man. Jesus notices him. Jesus takes time to inquire, takes time to learn about him. He makes some inquiries. He learns about this man's story. Jesus is curious, and Jesus asks questions. And in doing so, perhaps Jesus is saying to this man, I see you. I see you. Jesus does not ignore him, does not overlook him. In fact, Jesus goes to great lengths to notice this unnoticed man, to love this unloved man, and in doing so, Perhaps Jesus is communicating to this man, I see you. Jesus does not ignore him. Jesus does not overlook him. Jesus notices him because he too is made in the image of God. And in in doing so, Jesus communicates to him, I see you, I see you. Take a look at the man's response to Jesus' question Do you want to get well? Verse 7. He says, Sir, I have no one. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Isn't that heartbreaking? I have no one. I'm all alone in the world. I have no one to help. I have no one to help me. I have no one. And you can sense the man's utter frustration and despair. You get the sense that this man's will has been broken. You get the sense that this man's spirit has been crushed. I have no one. I'm all alone in the world. I have no one to help. I have no one to help me. I have no one. Then listen to what happens next. Jesus says this to him. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. This man has an encounter with the living Jesus that changes him forever. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And from Jesus, this man receives help, hope, and healing. New beginning. This is a new day for this man. We see this guy that is able to walk again. But this healing, I think, goes beyond a guy being able to walk again. I think this is also a restoring of this man into community. I love this quote from Dr. Diana Garland. And she writes this. This is the good news for our world. God intends none of us to be alone but to be part of a loving family. This healing goes beyond a guy being able to walk again. This is also a restoring of this man's dignity, a restoring of this man into community so that he is no longer alone, so that he is no longer an outsider, but instead he is folded back into community. Get up pick up your mat and walk. From Jesus, this man receives help, hope, and healing. Last week, I talked about Care Portal. Last week, I said that there are over 1,000 children that enter Hawaii's foster care system every single year, 1,000. And they enter our, our foster care system in need of help, hope and healing. And Care Porto is a way to bridge the gap. What happens with Care Porto is a child welfare professional will assess the needs of these children. And then the child care professional then goes back to the office and inputs those needs into Care Portal. And those of us that sign up for Care Portal, we receive an email listing those needs. And then we get an opportunity to meet one or more of those needs in Jesus' name. Last week, I received a few responses. Good start. But church, I believe that we can do better. Many of us are blessed to be a part of a family, to be a part of a loving community, to be a part of a loving church. But for many... For a great number, for a great number of children in the foster care system, this is not the case. For a great number, for a great number of children in the foster care system, their reality is, I have no one. I'm all alone in the world. I have no one to help. I have no one to help me. I have no one. And this is an opportunity for the church, for you and I, to say, I see you. I see you. Here is the diapers or the crib or the stroller or the car seat that you requested. I see you. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Receive help, hope, and healing. In Jesus' name. Now, obviously, the needs are great and we can't help everyone. But this is what I say Do for one what you wish you could do for many. Don't let the needs of many paralyze you. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. And so I'm hoping that as a church, we'll get behind Care Portal, experiment for six months, see how it goes. But I, I made it even easier so that you don't have to write with a pen. Maybe you, you just don't like writing with pens anymore. And I actually put it online so it's even much more easier. You can fill up that form online. But I want to encourage all of us, if we could get behind Care Portal and see how it goes, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured He picked up his mat and walked. Let us pray.